Howdy, and welcome to episode five of Three Questions with Jeanette Wallace. And I am Jeanette Wallace, and I am answering questions. And today I have some good questions, so I'm just going to get right to it and forego my Carol Burnett opening monologue. This first one is from Gail from Tacoma. She is uh, a dock worker, wharf rat, as we call them. <laughs> I was as a railroader I was a yard rat and she was a she was a wharf rat and a big hero of mine <clears throat> has an amazing son DK and we go back about 20 years um I think that we met she's going to have to remind me refresh my memory at the the Siemens Hall just like go ahead get it out yep the Siemens Hall in Seattle like not long after the WTO when a whole bunch of us who were involved and still lived there, um, decided that we wanted to keep working together. And I believe she was with the labor contingent and I was just with the random mad person who got tear gassed contingent. And we worked together on some interesting campaigns and I would love to do an interview with her at, at some point. <clears throat> but they, um, they helped me out a lot during the walk in the very beginning when I had no idea what I was doing she would actually come out and pick me up um, the side of the road at the end of my walking every day because I was still too afraid to sleep on the side of the road, which I got over that really quickly. And I remember the last time that they were dropping me off, uh, her her son DK gave me a coupon for, for, it was like Baskin Robbins for a free ice cream cone. And you know, just gave me this look like, God, you're crazy. What is wrong with you? <laughs> but, you know, you're going to need this. So I thought I was really touched by that. And uh, it, it really made me feel good and feel like, okay, you know, these two people believe in me when not many people do. But her question, uh, which came over um, on the voice message, and please do leave a voice message if you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, was after 9-11 when you left the walk, what made you decide to go back and finish? Now, Gail obviously has a little more inside information onto what happened, but 9-11, but I was actually in Utah, and I it was one of the very rare times that I went off the highway and was on this old pack trail, and <clears throat> for some reason, I got a blister just like immediately, and it got infected overnight. And so the next morning I realized I wasn't going to be able to continue on this trail and I had to go to the hospital because my foot was getting huge. And so I limped over to the highway to hitchhike into town and um, it was really quiet. I remember it was really quiet that morning and there were no cars really for a long time. And someone finally pulled over and it's this guy in a Jeep. And I got in and he starts telling me, well, you know, this plane flew into the World Trade Center and and then uh, there was another plane that flew into the other World Trade Center and then there was another plane that flew into the Pentagon. And, you know, he's just rambling on and I worked in psych for a number of years. And so I'm thinking this guy is like off his rocker, which is not a term that we used, <laughs> by the way, it's in psychiatric care, I promise. But um, but I really didn't believe him and until we got to the hospital and then I saw in the the waiting room of the hospital on the news what was happening and then 
my phone was blowing up and, and, um, people were telling me, you know, you got to quit because people think that you're like a protester and this is a really bad time to be a protester, which I wasn't a protester. I was a pilgrim, but nobody understood it. So, um, I did actually end up going back. I, I didn't have any place to go back in Seattle. And so I stayed with some friends in Portland and did some work with the peace people there. Um, (laughs) I had this, it was kind of a running joke. Like I can make a peace person like so angry, like more angry than, than they have ever been in their life. Like, I don't know what it is and I'm not trying to do it. It's just, I question everything and I, I don't like hypocrisy. And so anyway, we didn't get along very well. I went back to Seattle and uh, decided, you know, I was just going to try to go back to my gig work, which is what I did through most of my twenties, you know, just work a couple months, take off a month, go hiking or something. And, um, really, I really anticipated going back. And the reason for that after, after, um, I got my, my foot mended at this hospital, I, I stayed at the home of uh, a local environmentalist and by environmentalist, I mean like earth firster. So pretty, pretty radical. I knew a lot of those people back then. Very nice old guy used to work at the, the laboratories actually in Los Alamos, like built bombs and, um, decided that's not what he wanted to do with the rest of his life. And, and worked to help the environment and just a really great guy. And he had put his, he turned his flag upside down. And this is a veteran. And he put that in his front yard and somebody shot through his window and just almost shot his son who was sitting on the couch in front of the window at the time in the head. And so I was pretty scared. <laughs> I was really scared. Um, and, and it wasn't until I saw... <laughs> It was this around the same time because December of that year was when, when um, Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring came out, and I was just like a huge Tolkien nerd, and and so I saw it, you know, and like Frodo having to go through all this, ish just to get to Mordor, and and it was like all right, fine, I'll do it, <laughs> and so I I had to I had to finish it, I had to see what was going on, and and oddly like when I went out. I was still pretty terrified, but people were way more into it than they were before 9-11. And people were more supportive of me and more kind of understanding what what I was trying to do, um, which was just show that that we can take care of each other. We can trust each other. And, and uh, oh, there's a lot of things I was trying to prove. But <clears throat> so question number two, I have two more questions from... Um, intuitive public radio and i'm sorry i don't have the names attached to the questions but thank you so much for sending them i'm i'm like a one of those like toy monkeys with the symbols you know throw a question at me and um gives me life which i really need right now so this question is will you tell us more about your traveling experience in the context of the fool's journey and maybe if you're familiar the the hero's journey and yes, I'm very familiar with the hero's journey. Um, listeners who've 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 heard previous episodes might remember that that Star Wars had a huge impact on my life, and I was very involved in theater and <clears throat> and very involved in in studying motivation and studying characters. And so I was very into Joseph Campbell and and looking at those archetypes and. Really, like to me, a hero is just a fool that got lucky, that just kept at it 
over and over and kept failing over and over and then just eventually I mean you just get lucky sometimes and I haven't found that yet but um so my my journey was was a fool's journey to begin with and it's still I guess kind of is and I think during that time like I might have had like a hippie friend like do a tarot reading and that card came up and I remember like the picture of you know this this person just like la 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 skipping along with a dog by by their side um, and you know, one of those old hobo bindle sticks and one foot on the ground, the other just over this huge cliff, you know, into this precipice. And, and that's very much what I was doing. I had no idea what was going to happen. I had, I just, <clears throat> here's the thing with, with your mission. And this was something that, that again, I, I was really paying attention to. I had my eyes and my ears open and I said, look, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm whatever it is, just tell me, universe, I'll do it. That's kind of like what I was thinking at that time. <clears throat> and so when I heard about Granny D and doing this walk and thinking of how cool it was, and and um, I just thought, no, I am the wrong person to do this. Because I don't know if you've ever walked across America or had to tell your friends and family, uh, by the way, I'm going to do this really crazy thing. Um, they all do think that you have lost your mind and <clears throat> that's, that's just what you got to deal with. And I didn't lose my mind. <laughs> I'm fine. I had a great time. A lot of wonderful stories. I highly recommend it. If anyone is interested in learning more about doing a pilgrimage and you don't have to walk, you know, you can just travel, just traveling and talking to people. There's, there's so much value in that. Because that one person you talk to, they talk to 10 people who talk to 10 more people and it just grows exponentially. And, um, and it's, it makes you feel really good about people, which I think that most of us need to remember that human beings can be very kind. I, I, I've kind of forgotten that too. So number three, you said in your trip that people wanted to work to make a difference, but seem to be missing an understanding of how to organize to solve problems together. Can you say more? Um, yeah, so I've done a lot of coalition work, <clears throat> which is you know trying to bring these disparate groups together. And my big mentor in that, uh, someone that I met around the same time that I met Gail, actually, um, her name is Kim Marks, and she was an organizer with a whole bunch of organizations. I think her last one was she was an international organizer with Greenpeace. But at the time, she was working with Earth First, and they were doing these, like, tree sits. And I have some great stories about tree sits back during that, that time. And, and so she was, like, out in the woods, you know, camping in these blockades on, on federal land, trying to keep the, these trees protected while they were battling it out in court. So they're kind of like the last line of defense. And, and I was really amazed at how much like strategy goes into it, like, like all of it, like who they, they put their attention into, um, what sort of like public figures and like Julia Butterfly was, was very big at that time. I have a story about her too. <laughs> we won't talk about that now. But um, <clears throat> one of my favorite stories that Kim said, and, and there's an there's a interview of us, um, somewhere. I'll have to find the link and try to link it to this page. But we did an interview talking about her work as an Earth Firster. And they were approached, actually, by 
some steel workers that had been locked out of their jobs, their factory jobs with Kaiser Aluminum, which happened to be owned by Charles. <clears throat> I shouldn't identify him. C. Hurwitz. And so they, they had this common enemy and, and labor. These, these workers were smart enough to realize like, hey, there's other people that, that want to fight this guy because he was buying up all these companies and Kaiser Aluminum was one. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, oh, I just blanked on the name. I'm sorry. It's been a while since I've talked about this, but, but if you listen to the interview, um, uh, <laughs> I'm totally blanking on the name, but he also bought up all the Redwoods pretty much in Northern California and was liquidating them and, and just dumping them on the market instead of, uh, keeping what we have. And, and this was to pay off his junk bond debt and he was just a real nasty guy. And so they, they were kind of hesitant about working together, you know, these, these kind of tree people <laughs> and who are really awesome. Again, great stories about them. And then the steel workers, but so they had this, this picnic, one of their very first things that they did together, they had a picnic and they had each other taste each other's dogs. So like the earth firsters had their tofu dogs and the steel workers had their hot dogs. And then they had like this, this trading, you know, to taste contest to see who had the better dogs. But, but I thought that was brilliant. You know, these kind of strategies, uh, I have a lot of stories about them and there's a lot of really interesting ways to organize that are, you know, I, I hope that they're not going to be lost, you know, these more creative ways, because I think that we're too reliant on the internet and on social media. You know, let's have a Facebook group for this event and protest. And it's kind of the same people showing up over and over again. And, and I just, through my work, I've seen other ways of, of organizing and other ways of doing things. It's not because I'm smart. Like I haven't, I didn't come up with any of this stuff. I just put myself out there and I meet these people and, and I hope to pass their stories on to you. So thank you so much for listening and keep those questions coming. We'll talk to you next time.